BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hola, hola. My name is Ricardo. I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, Go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. And welcome to the Super J Cast. I'm Joel, joined by Daniel McDonald. It is Tuesday, the 18th of July, 2023. This is episode 266. How are you today, Damon? <laughs> wow, that's very, very stoic. Very. You weren't uh, expecting that, were you? <laughs> it's just dry as fuck. <laughs> Listen, I get it. It's very early in the morning over there, but uh, I, was, I don't know. You're right. You got no energy today. I'm good. All right. Um, it's 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 my post birthday come down. It's my birthday yesterday. Ah, is that right? How come I don't fucking know these things? God damn it! I don't I don't make a big song and dance about it. I was, um, I was wasn't going to say anything actually. I just I thought it would be a, 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 an interesting opening conversation to the podcast. So I just spontaneously threw it out there. <laughs> yeah. I, why don't you? I mean, it's the most important day of the year, Joel. For you, it should be. I had a nice day. Well, okay, so I tried to treat myself to a McDonald's breakfast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ordered one to be delivered to my school on the way to, to school, but then it wasn't there uh, oh. when I got to school. So uh, I was looking around for it, couldn't find it, and then it turned up about 90 minutes later than it was supposed to. <laughs> and I ate, ate it anyway. I mean, I can't. <laughs> to be clear, you, you ate a cold it, right? sausage and egg McMuffin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cold sausage and egg McMuffin is better than no sausage and egg McMuffin. Sure. Um, what else did I do? Uh, I went out for a nice dinner to a steak restaurant. Had a lovely uh, Wagyu mm-hmm. oyster blade. Woo! 400 grams. Whoa. Um, shared some bone marrow with Mally. It was very good. Wow. Um, little tiramisu. Um, yeah. Made sweet, sweet love to the wife. It was a, a great evening. Nice. <laughs> very well, good. What? 
honestly, what what more could a, a gentleman want? A steak yeah. and uh, the love of a, a beautiful lady. Wow. You know what? You're right. You're exactly right. Uh, it doesn't get much better than that. It really doesn't. As as dull as it sounds, it doesn't sound dull to make that clear. But you know, it's not fireworks and fucking parades. I, that's what you want. That's that's exactly what you want. Yes, low key. Uh, let me do what I want to do today. It's gonna be my day, my special day. Get some steak, a little vagina. Nice. <laughs> that's it. It's just- a simple man of simple pleasures. That's it. That's it. Well done. Good Good for you. Good. You get anything good? Did you buy yourself yeah, something any... good? Oh, we, I don't really do presents. I think I'm sort of too oh old for that. Really. No, there's no such thing as too old for presents. Also, no, actually, no, that's not accurate. I, I normally would, but because we're in the process of moving and selling lots of stuff, it seemed daft to be mm. asking for stuff or buying stuff. Um, you know, I've just sold off my PlayStation 3. Oh trying to sell off my playstation 4 so yeah we're we're trying to travel light so um maybe stick a pin in that for now playstation 5 i'd like that for for maybe a a late birthday present when we've Mm. moved over to the uk what about you damon what does a a typical birthday look like for you well first of all i got to cancel the hookers and coke uh, (laughs) because let me make a phone call just cancel that for you um well, hold on a second. Don't be hasty. Well, listen, you you had it already this year. You've met your quota. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> you can't you can't go any further than that. Um, I don't know. I see. I, I I'm kind of a, kind of the op- not kind of. I'm the opposite. I think people should celebrate their birthdays. The most again, the most important day of the year for you. Absolutely, you, you wouldn't have anything else if you weren't around, right? So celebrate it. It's another trip around the sun, as they say. Uh, yeah, why not? Why not? Do it right. So, uh, yeah, usually there's a uh, we uh, the birthday person gets to pick the restaurant, and uh, yeah, usually there's you know shopping to, to be done that day. So if I you know you, you know, have a little something on my wish list, I'll pick that up. Um, but I mean, we share the same money, so it's really kind of, it is uh, maybe a little bit silly, but I like it. I like it. I didn't get good gifts when I was a child, Joel, so I have to make up for it. And, uh, Cheryl does a wonderful job at that. But yes, we, uh, we do celebrate birthdays. I like holidays. Like my favorite day is Christmas Eve. My fucking favorite day of the yes. year. You know? Yeah. You know, it's everything that's good about life. You know, it really is, especially when uh, you didn't, didn't have that before and you can appreciate it and you can treasure it. But yes, that's uh, I like to celebrate. I like to celebrate events, milestones, G1 season and my birthday. Well, this is uh, the best time of the year for us then being able to talk about the grade one climax uh, because it is here. And we are two nights in. By the time you listen to this, probably three nights in. Uh, but we are going to give you all our hot takes and analysis for the start of the greatest tournament in pro wrestling. But we're going to start off with some Antonio questions. Oh, great. So Antonio starts off with a quite quite a menacing tweet, if I'm really? going to be briefly honest. He says, right. look, my questions are here below. I want them answered this time, not at the end of the show. At star of it, to make sure you and Demon don't ignore them again. <laughs> Demon, hopefully you answer them. 
Yeah, he's good. Well, okay. No, first of all, like it, it's spelled Damon, like sort of the Game of Thrones character Damon Targaryen. So D A E M O N, oh. which I like. You know, that's that's a cool name. So, um, yeah, right. quite quite do threatening and intimidating. So I thought we better do this. Better do what he says because otherwise, I don't know. He might attack me or something. Yeah. Uh, but then he's also written a separate tweet saying, "Hopefully, you guys enjoy the questions." So he's oh. kind of balanced the the vaguely uh, menacing threats with a, a friendly message about the question. So <laughs> I, I ignored this one last week because I'm not sure you follow Portuguese league football. <laughs> I'm going to ask it anyway because huh. he's quite insistent that you answer this. Me? But, um, uh, all right. Yeah, well, you. So all right, I'm, first I'm, of all, I have a, a couple questions before you get to uh, Antonio's question. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I, I mean, you know, this is what we do. Uh, on my name, do I have an umlaut? Do I have an umlaut? Um, it depends which tweet we're talking about because the spelling is inconsistent. Oh, all right, uh, Antonio D A M O N. Not that, not that hard. Well, here's the thing too, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that that Antonio's uh, first language is is not English, correct? Yes, I, I believe he's a native Portuguese speaker, so all I right. don't want to. Um, yeah, he's like trying to people's ability to speak a second language because I can't speak a second language to any great skill. But you know, as a, a teacher. I feel a duty to maybe support. And let's throw another one out while we're correcting spellings. T-H-O-U-G-H-T-S. Thoughts. 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 I know English is tough. This should be an educational experience on the Super J cast. Yes. Because English makes no sense. Let's be honest, right? I mean. Correct. uh, Yeah. The the spelling is insane. Oh, just like literally you change one letter and you change the pronunciation. Uh, but I guess my focus is tone. You watch, you, you know, watch the tone uh, because that's important because you say something like that. And then I don't give a shit. <laughs> and I usually just be like, hey, go fuck your mother. How's that? That's that's English for you. Now, what, uh, what is this question? Please. Is fair. I'm sorry. Okay. So third question is this one. Your thoughts too, but more. Damon, uh-huh. uh, D-A-E-M-O-N, yeah. on this one. What's you guys, but especially, and now you're Demon this time, D-E-M-O-N. Uh, <laughs> like Demon Thogus on Benfica last season. So we're talking about Benfica, the Portuguese football team. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Benfica last season? And also, especially new signing, Orkun Kirkchu and Roger Schmidt. What is your Thogus, especially Demon 2? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I could sum it up uh, pretty much as I don't give a shit. <laughs> that's probably it's probably sounds like uh, yeah, that's why I skipped the question. <laughs> I don't. I could. I couldn't tell you one thing about uh, the Portuguese football league. Not one. I couldn't name a team. I couldn't name a player. I couldn't do it. That would be like I'm seriously. That would be like uh, me asking Antonio. Who is your favorite Winnipeg Jet? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what the fuck? Um, well, you've thrown down the gauntlet there, Damon. Yeah. If, if you're listening, of course you're listening, Antonio. We're your favorite podcast. That's true. Answer it. Answer the question. Answer the question. Immediately. Do not, do not delete. Do not ignore. Answer it. <laughs> do not pass go. Do not collect $200. <sighs> yeah. Name your favorite. Win- I'll tell you what. I'll tell you my uh, thoughts on that signing. If you name uh, for me your favorite Winnipeg Jet and why. I think that is perfectly fair. Now, actually, Antonio does have what what is quite an interesting question here. It says, before we go to fifth, this 
Fourth question, which oh. is more honest, you can answer now if okay. you want, which is Thoggers on Saudi Arabia, like golf buying, you know, like Luis Castro leaving Botafogo to Al Nasser and all these players like Jota, Ruben Neves, Kante, Benzema uh, prefer SA, Saudi Arabia, than EU football. So um, I don't know if you've been following the, the golf thing where they basically bought the bought, bought the concept of professional golf. Uh, and now yes. we've got these Saudi Arabian football teams buying up pretty big names. I mean, this is this is not like the China situation where they're just buying guys who are on the verge of retirement. They are buying people who've still got you know quite a lot of mileage left in, in the tank. So that's certainly raised a few eyebrows. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on Saudi Arabia splashing the cash for sports washing, shall we call it? Ah, yes, sports washing. Um, well, look, uh, here's what I will say. I don't necessarily have a problem with an individual or a conglomerate. If they have the money to do it, who am I to tell you how to spend your money? You know, if you want to buy a football team, buy the football team. You want to buy a fucking hockey team, buy the hockey team. You want to buy a, uh, a PlayStation phone, but buy it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I'm not going to tell you how to spend the money. Now, I will say that um, I don't like, I, I, like if you're going to incorporate that element of just billionaires uh, coming in and just throwing money around, I think a wise idea would be a salary cap, right? Salary cap. So you can only spend X amount of dollars for your players in total. Um, and, you know, contracts uh, play into that, your cap. So uh, that's how we do it here in the States. Now, we do have <laughs> strikes and lockouts and <laughs> seasons being <laughs> shut down because of this. Uh, so it's not always that great, but uh, that eliminates that. You just have a certain percentage of, the, of uh, your salary going to certain players and you have a cap. So um, th- I think that would solve that problem. But no, I do not have a problem if your league says, all right, you know, <laughs> this this team's for sale and and they buy it. What are you going to do? Yeah, I just don't think there's sort of long-term sustainability there. I think it just, again, like the China league situation, it just feels like a bit of a bubble. Eventually it'll burst and then um, players will move on and do something else. I don't have any great fears that uh, Suddenly, the Saudi league is going to be rivaling all the major world and, and European leagues for uh, prestige and, and all the top players. Um, right. I mean, at the moment, it's become quite a useful little outpost for people to get rid of their uh, overplayed, underperforming players. So, um, Great. There's, of course, the moral aspect to it. I think anyone cashing in on Saudi money is uh, sketchy at best, Um but having said that, if um, anyone from Saudi Arabia wants to invest in the Super J cast, <laughs> yeah, we're there. <laughs> we're all is. <laughs> yeah. Human rights be damned. <laughs> Sign us up. Uh, um, uh, so correct me if I'm wrong. It's not just buying a team. It's they're they're forming their own league and they're scooping up uh, players from other leagues. Is that is that what I'm getting at? Yeah, I mean they've they've had their own yeah. league for a, a while, but this is just them suddenly now investing a lot of money in high profile players. Yeah, because there's money to be made. I mean, they wouldn't do it if they didn't think they could get a return on their investment or 
you know, they just got fucking money lying around. Uh, no, I mean, again, I, don't I, I think it's more like it's a sort of concerted effort to buy these famous players to what, like I said before, sports washing. So to have the name Saudi Arabia associated with cool football players rather than dismembering journalists who criticize the, the ruling regime. <laughs> right. um, oh, yeah. And they're doing a lot of stuff like they're investing a lot of money in computer games, um, just sort of fun entertainment things that people like. So that, again, when people think Saudi Arabia, they think of, oh, my fun hobby rather than uh, all the other ghastly human rights uh, abuses that take place there. So I don't know if they're doing this with a view to actually turning a profit or just doing it to... Um, a view to a kill. Rehabilitate the, the image of the country. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to throw it in a random reference. It's a serious conversation. Um, yeah, I hear you, dude. I mean, look, they go, I mean, didn't they do that same thing with golf? They had the, yeah, uh, the, yeah. exactly right. I mean, look. And, and all the WrestleManias there, well, not WrestleManias, but all the, the you know, WWE shows they're paying for. It's, it's all part of a, a plan, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. But they got the money to do it. And as long as there's people that are willing to accept that money uh, and kind of close their eyes and put their fingers in their ears. um, And I'm not playing. Here's the thing. I'm not I'm not going to give you the moral compass of that. Uh, Whatever. uh, You're make your own fucking dumb choices. But uh, yeah, I mean, we all know what the fuck it is. So, um, right. Maybe I didn't understand the question completely. Um, but yes, I would, uh, agree with you, Joel, that it is, uh, you know, just because you have the money doesn't mean, and, and, and that's true too. Just because they have the money and they're signing these players doesn't necessarily mean that the league is going to then be, you know, it's going to take off. Um, you know, if people don't watch, no. you know, so, and, and these players, I'm not, I can't speak for all of them and far be it from me to question their professionalism. But historically, trends have suggested that when these players sort of cash in, make these big money contracts, they don't necessarily give 100% of effort that, you know, they might do in a a top European league, say. You know, they've got their money, they're happy, just turn up to training, turn up to the matches. And, uh, yeah, you're paying for the name rather than 100% motivated iteration of that play. Right. All right. We'll take your calls next on football follies. Uh, <laughs> Great question, Antonio. Keep them coming. Yeah. That was, that was a good question. All right. Uh, but listen, we have a very busy show today, right? We can't, we can't be just talking about Antonio's questions. Got the, my fucking neighbor now decides to murder Oh, one. please. <laughs> fucking assholes. Um, okay, yes. All right, okay. Then can we do some news bits, right? Quick fire yes. news bits before we get into the new one. Right, first first one, I want to talk about Filthy Tom Lawler because there have been some posts by him on a Reddit thread where he has basically been lamenting his lack of inclusion in the grade one climax and his sort of, I don't want to say financial troubles, but he's, he's directly mentioned the fact that his pockets are lighter these days and uh, he's had his uh, his match at Forbidden Door got pulled off the car because Adam Cole got injured and how do you feel about New Japan's use or lack thereof of one filthy Tom Lawler um, I mean I don't know it sounds like look I'm sure there's lots and lots and lots of logistics that have to go into planning and booking a G1 right okay that being said 
uh, I mean, if the guy is a willing participant, then there should be no reason why he's not in there. You know what I mean? Like, can, I can't think of one valid reason why he is not in, and yet there are others that are in it that I'm not going to sit here and say deserve, right? But, you know, there's some, there's some, again, I don't want to judge a thing in two days, you know, one for each block section, but, uh, Tom, uh, there's no, there's no reason why Tom Lawler is not in this. It's just, it's silly, especially if he's saying I wanted to do it. Like, uh, it makes no sense to me, but I don't know. I, I, I don't have a good answer for you because I truly don't know. And it, yeah, I'm scratching my head too. Uh, next quick follow question is uh, Ringside Wrestle Kingdom tickets. They cost 200,000 yen this year. They were previously 50,000, then an increase of four times the previous price. Wow. Um, from what I understand, um, there are fans in Japan that are not happy with that. And uh, rightfully so. I mean, that's that's a, <laughs> like a 300% markup from where, what it was last year. Like, I don't know how they can justify that. I, I really don't. Like, what's the justification there aside from we need to fill? I'm just, just as bad as the Saudi. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's like, look, I know it's the big show of the year. I know it's really the time that they can make money um, and sell merch and all of that. Um, boy, they here's the thing, too. They are asking people now. I mean, G1's not even over, right? Just started. And they're asking fan club members now to, I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly when tickets go on sale, but they go on sale before G1 ends. We have no idea of a card. We have no idea who's even going to be there yet. We can make assumptions and we can make logical deductions uh, of, of, of who will be there. There's nothing announced. And this, I don't want to say trend, but that's where we are in pro wrestling right now. Um, All these fucking shows where you're expected to fork out a decent amount of money and you have no idea what the show is about. You have no idea who's on it. You have no idea what the matches. And that's, look, you know, people travel for this. People look forward to this. All over the world, right? People fly in from all over the world. And that's what makes that weekend or that, you know, that two days or one day or whatever so special because everyone um, who loves this product does everything they can to get there. I mean, I'm not. When the tickets cost more than the flight in the hotel, you know, we got a fucking problem, I think. Um, yeah, it's preposterous. I don't, I, I mean, once again, supply and demand, right? You know, those tickets are going to get bought by some. Yeah. So, yes, I think this is them testing the price elasticity of demand for those tickets to the extreme. I guess they <laughs> are hunting for whales, you know, looking for those money marks who are going to pay the big money because they want to be ringside no matter what. Hmm. But um, yeah, I've seen some. Uh, a lot of tweets actually from Japanese fans who are 
questioning this. And, and rightly so, you can't just increase something four times the price and expect people to, to say nothing about it. So it'll be an interesting one uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, right, next thing I want to talk about is uh, CMNL's uh, New Japan Fantastica Mania Mexico show. Now, I don't know if you saw any of this, Damon, but uh, I watched this a few weeks ago. Forgot to talk about it on the podcast. So this was a show uh, at the end of June in the Arena Mexico, and it was really great. So I would recommend if you do have some time, obviously we're in the middle of the G1, so no one has any time for extra wrestling. But if you do, this is a really fun show. Uh, stuff that stood out, Doki and Okamura versus, again, forgive my pronunciation, lots of people in the chat at me, Aldaz and Cap. Capitan Suicida. That was a very fun tag match. There was a lightning match between El Satanico and Tiger Mask, which went to a time limit draw. Uh, El Satanico is 73 years old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Tiger Mask is 52. So it's just old dudes rock. It was really good. I found it very, very compelling. So that was you know, a surprisingly great match. Uh, the highlight of the show is the best two out of three falls match with, between El Desperado and Mas- Mascara Dorada 2.0. Uh, who is 21 years old and looks fucking great. So he is going to be one to keep an eye on. Very much looking forward to him getting a run in Japan. I think the fans are going to love him there. So that was really good. And the main event as well, the NWA World Historic Welterweight title match, uh, Rocky Romero against Volador Jr. Also really good. So a really fun show. If you do have uh, a chance to watch it, then it's great. Because I always enjoy watching a little bit of Luch here and there, especially in a, a great Arena, great crowd like Arena Mexico is uh, really, really good stuff. So there you go. That is CMLL, Fantastic Mania, Mexico. Is that the one where uh, Don, Don Callis got in, into an uh, altercation that I hear? No, I okay. think that was a triple R event. I don't know what the fuck it is. Um, All right. Don't know that. Um, right, next thing, we've got Will Ospreay versus Naomichi Marufuji, set for Marufuji's 25th anniversary show, September 17th at Korakuen Hall. And I know this is a dream match for Osprey. He's been talking about Marafuji for years, so he's finally got that match. And just uh, another example of all the lovely collaboration going on between the pro wrestling companies in Japan. And I think, you know, when we are discussing later things like Kaito Kiyomiya being in the G1, does that mean he's going to be joining New Japan? I think we have to view it through the lens of all this other collaboration, you know, like Hiromu and Shingo working Dragon Gate shows. There's just a concerted collaborative effort to try and drag ProRes um, back to where it was. You know, I don't know if they're going to get there. We'll talk about ticket prices later, but just another example of um, New Japan playing nice and sharing their toys. Yeah, I mean, they are nice toys. I mean, if you're any other promotion, I'm sure having them on your card, hopefully equates to a decent bump in in uh, attendance i would hope but yeah i mean that seems to be par for the course right now with uh new japan is that there, there's not an open date on the calendar and if there is you're you know you can you have you can work impact you can work apparently now noah and it, it seems like that noah match is years in the making because uh the last time i was in london that I was at a show uh, that I believe Will Ospreay had a, a big part in. I forget what the fuck the promotion was, but it was like Lucha something or uh, I forget. But Marafuji was on the show. Um, so I would not be surprised if a, if, if a relationship was born on that very night. And then uh, COVID and all that nonsense. Oh, in the ring. <laughs> what? What was that? 
Yeah, that's the G1 song. Anytime oh, anyone yes. says the word born, I have the born in the ring song and I have to sing it. You love that one, huh? It's good, yeah. Right. It's good song. I, I mean, you know, I will say this. That look at me. I'm talking about music. I, I but that's pretty awful. Um, I know we 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 still, still got a politic to get uh, escape the box. That's what we should be doing. Escape the box for that music. Come on, let's go, New Japan. Um, I will say this though: there are videos like that montage at the beginning of every G1 show that you will probably be sick of. Um. Man, the way they edit, the way they shoot, the way they use just fucking B-roll. It really is a good good hype video. Um, I definitely enjoy that, but yeah. Um, listen, um, that's going to be a great match, right? Osprey and Marafuji. That's, that's, I think that has, that has some potential to be great. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, you're going to get dream matches and you're going to get Fun stuff to help wet everyone's palate. Uh oh. Okay. Apologize for the delay. There's a, there's some baby whimpering going on All right. near me, so I'm just I was just trying to ride it out. Uh, okay. Next question. Aaron Mitha says, "Who else needs to get the Smash Brothers letter for the Junior Festival in Philadelphia for Damon to feel like a ticket to this show is must buy?" Uh-huh. So far, we have announced for the show. Hiromu, Rocky, Nick Wayne, the new AEW prodigy, Despy, Mike Bailey, Doki, Shun Skywalker, and Julia defending her strong belt. So okay. how does that line up sound to you? Is that enough for you to buy a ticket? Um, not at $300. <laughs> no, certainly not. I could see just about every one of those people uh, if I just waited out for maybe 20 Um, So I don't know. I'll see if I can finagle my way in there and... If there's a cheap ticket and I'm not doing anything that, that day, I I could go, I'm, you know, five minutes away, um, 10 minutes away. But, um, I mean, uh, truth be told, not I looked. There are tickets, plenty of tickets still available and a lot on, in the first row. And those first row tickets are 300 bucks, three on face value, just boom, not including any service fees or fucking any of it, it's $300. That's preposterous. I'm sorry. $300? Sorry. Where, okay, if you notice, if you look at the uh, 2300 arena and the receiving show, like the second row, which is like, I don't know, like 150. Oh, well, I don't know if that's the case, but I know it's lower. They're all sold. <laughs> Those are all sold. But the first row, there's you know pockets of tickets that are still available. You could probably wait to the last day and get them. And all like the cheapy seats uh, are taken. And here's the thing with that building too. It's chaos. Like you can fucking, I mean, aside from like the first, second, and third row, people just show up by the cheapest ticket and then sit wherever the wherever they want it feels like so yeah uh, i'm not paying 300 bucks i don't you were i was going to say it was jushin liger's there when i pay 300 bucks i haven't seen him in a long time um 300 bucks is a little steep though you know what i mean for for what come on i'm paying 300 bucks for fucking doki come on stop 
Uh, I mean, so far it looks pretty good. I mean, I like Shun Skywalker. That's a pretty interesting and sexy name. He's a you know the ace of Dragon Gate at the moment. I'd be interested to see what they have in store for him. But uh, yeah, I would say wait and see until we have an actual card before um, putting down your money. Don't let New Japan keep getting away with it. So they killed Philly. Toes, David. <laughs> you know what? They they really have. They've killed Philly. They've had kind of meaningless shows and TV tapings and whatever. And it, it just feels like, I don't know. I don't, I, I find it amazing that Philadelphia uh, feels that way, but yeah, they have, they can't even fucking fill the building. It's tough. <laughs> it really is tough. They killed the fucking town. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. We'll, I'll give you a solid. We'll see. A quick word on Fashion Watch from the G1 presser. I think the the winner is obviously uh, Shane Haste with his <laughs> Dumb and Dumber bright orange suit. I mean, it would have been so good if he'd managed to actually get the hat to land on his head. Oh, yeah, I know. But, uh, that was terrific. Um, that was my favorite. Anything else stood out to you from the press conference? Yeah. There? Well, his outfit reminded yeah, me. You, you've seen uh, It's Always Sunny, right? It, it's fucking Dayman. <laughs> Fucking Charlie as Dayman. Ah, uh, Dayman. Ah. Um, I had to look it up. I've not seen. All right, we'll look up Charlie. Okay, I've looked up. Yes, yeah, I see it. Right, except Charlie's in yellow. But yes. yeah, yeah, that's exact. I mean, that's what I. The first thing I saw, it was like, oh my god, it's fucking Dayman. Um, champion of the sun. Um. Who else did I like dress wise? Eh. Nobody really. I mean, Sonata was in his uh, summer attire, <laughs> ready, to, ready to be lounging by the pool with a cool drink in his hand, a coconut drink. Um, I don't know about about like the presser. I, I would say, yeah, those two. But um, I, I before I forget, and we're, we're on fashion and talking about clothing. Uh, I got to mention right now, because I will forget. What the fuck was Hiroshi Tanahashi wearing? (laughs) Oh, we'll we'll get on that. Oh, my fucking Lord. Like, I've seen, like, girls wear sweaters like that. But that was just new levels of what in the fuck are you thinking? All right. That's that. All right. Uh, I just needed to get that off my chest. Uh, I want to give a shout out to two tremendous promos. One uh, ELP's promo conducted through Chris Charlton. That was hilarious. <laughs> and also Alex Coglin's promo. I don't know if you saw that, but that was brilliant and it definitely got some tongues wagging. So there's just something about him doing it in his thick New York accent, which uh, is very, very good. Uh, so well done, Alex, for a brilliant promo. Again, like the one with the Gabe Kid, one we were yeah. talking about last week, um, rooted deep in reality. Uh, I'm sure, you know, there's a a little bit of kayfabing in there, but uh, all the best stuff comes when there's a, a hint of truth to it. And that, you know, him expressing his real life frustrations. And I saw a lot of casual fans who've not heard of him before saying, wow, I've got to keep an eye on this guy. So great stuff. Yeah, that, that was, I thought he stood out. Um, and, you know, even with Okada kind of giving him the giggle <laughs> and making comments in his direction. Uh, yeah, I thought Gabe Kibb, obviously stuck out with uh, what looked like. I mean, it felt like it was impromptu, but who knows? Probably not. 
But yeah, I was really, I was really, I mean, he he made a mark, that's for sure. And even the first night, like, first night, he he made a mark, that's for sure. Uh, next talking point is ticket sales. So from the first two nights in Hokkaido, not really much difference from last year. Uh, there were expectations with the cheering restrictions lifted that we would see more sales, but it, it has not really changed that much. And we're still looking at you know roughly half of what they were doing at their peak pre-pandemic. Um, obviously, a lot of factors here. Uh, in Japan in general, there is a bit of a reluctance for people to go to indoor large events because there's still sort of COVID concerns. Um, but do you think this is something that New Japan should be concerned about? Is there more that they could be doing to improve ticket sales? Um, they announced th- this year, I don't remember, maybe they did and I missed it. Did they announce main events for each building? Uh, yeah, they did. Okay. So yeah, the caveat to this being that the Hokkaido fans knew that they were getting the main events of Sanada versus Hikuleo and Naito versus Jeff Cobb. So maybe it was that. And also, I think we have to acknowledge that New Japan is in transition at the moment. And I respect the fact that they are doing their thing, telling their stories, building their new stars, and not just trying to sort of hotshot high ticket sales by throwing in all the old names. So um, I think, yeah, it's disappointing, but I would be looking at next year, you know, once they've helped to they've had some time to establish guys like uh, Umino and Suji etc if we're still looking at the same numbers next year then I would be concerned I'm concerned now and I got to tell you why I mean I get the fact that there are people that are still uh covid sensitive and and want to you know make the right decisions for them and their family and knock yourselves out uh, like we're we're in G1 season. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're not hyped, if you're a pro wrestling fan and you're not hyped for G1 and you live in Japan and they're coming to your town, again, main events weren't really that sexy, but okay, fine. Uh, it's night one. Like, you, I would think you would be amped up. I think you would be uh, fired up to, 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 to get going. Um. Yeah, it is disappointing because because with all that being the case, it concerns me because it feels like that fan interest is down. Uh, more to do with um, people going to go see New Japan Pro Wrestling as opposed to individual events look they still have concerts that sell out they still have um baseball games that look pretty crowded uh, again we're talking an outdoor uh, uh a venue you know sixty thousand at the dome um so maybe it's not a fair comparison but i mean it's, that's still happening um my concern is and aren't there other promotions that have had decent attendance since coming back with with crowds it just feels like i don't know maybe it's the town maybe it's the card all the things that you had mentioned maybe it's the fact that they're they're, they need to create new stars um but at least in that town joel didn't it just felt cold like it felt like like and 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 not to bust on the crowd but boy that crowd was fucking dead 
It took it took forever for them to make it. And again, they do have a history, and they do have you know they do have a, a reputation for needing to be warmed up a little bit. But my God, it's fucking G one people. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I was just I don't know. I just felt like that town for whatever reason is uh, needs a little something. That's for sure. Yeah, they certainly did have to work very hard to get good reactions out of the crowd. Um, all right, next one is uh, Ultimate Wrestling Trivia says, what are your thoughts on the 20-minute time limit? It makes for an easier watch, but does it hinder the chances of having potential match of the year contenders? I don't think so. I think it's a big positive because um, it's making for more high-paced matches and less sort of dead time, if you will. Um, I like the sort of added drama of matches approaching the time limit. I'm, I like the fact that when you hear the 10-minute call, you know that you're halfway through the match and that there's potentially uh, 10 minutes or fewer or less left than that. Um, I'm enjoying the 20 minute time now. I think it's good. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. I think, I think the time limit itself is a positive. It, it, um, look, there's no reason to see a fucking 30 minute Yano match. Right. Um, if, if 20 minutes is the limit, then, you know, we're ending even earlier. Um, even though they went longer than historically they usually do. Uh, nah, I, I, I think that's a great idea. The I know they tr- they try to find different things and different angles to kind of fucking keep everybody interested in changing formats and such. Um, again, I don't want to judge it on two nights, but it's going to be... You know, like We talk about... G1 being a grind. That's when you can fast forward through half a show, right? Because these are all just fucking tags building up for the next night or, you know, what have you. Um, But you can skip them and get right to the good stuff. Joel, everything's important. First match to the last match. Like, you can't, I don't know. Like, if, if it's two guys in there that are just like, I don't give a shit, I'll triple speed it, right? But you got to watch every fucking sh- match, which is which is good in the sense that every every match is important. Every match, you know, is is part of the overall uh, storylines. Absolutely, no doubt. But that that's I mean, you're committed for. I mean, the shows, the, the last show. I got to be honest with you. I, even at twenty minute matches, it, it felt like. Oh my god! There's another match. Oh my god! There's another match. Like I'm like, like after the Tanahashi Zach match, I was like, uh, "There's more." Oh yeah, I forgot. And it just felt like it went forever. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you kind of sort of jumped ahead to something I was going to talk about afterwards, which was sort of comparing the 32 man field to the 20 man field. And I think, uh, you know, the 20 man field has been looked at through rose tinted lens, and people are romanticizing that as this you know, glory time where all five block matches, you know, were the, the whole car topped on back-to-back bangers, which was never really the case. No. I thought maybe you got a, a higher concentration of, of um, you know, match of the year candidates. But I think a lot of that was because they were blessed with a, a ridiculously talented roster with guys like Ibushi and Kenny Omega and Naito and Okada and Tanahashi like, in their prime. Yep rather than necessarily the structure of the card, because you did get a load of undercard tag matches, which people would skip. So now instead of a load of undercard tags and five block matches, you're getting eight block matches. So I think maybe people can start skipping some of the block matches. I think at this point, you probably know what you're going to get from guys like Evil 
and Yano and Kenta and Tangaloa. Like, I, I think if you see that on an undercard, you could probably skip it. I think for freaks like us, obviously, I feel compelled to watch all of the block matches. But just understand that the trade-off is no multi-man tags, and instead you've got more block matches. So some of them are, are going to be stinkers, yeah. But um, I, would, I would say pick and choose. Maybe be selective about which matches you're watching. If you've seen this, the first few shows, and thinking, oh my God, this is I can't, I can't keep up with this. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of sucks, but you are right. I mean, I think for the majority of people, that's that's what they have to do. They or they're going to just going to get burned out. Um, now there are people like us that are maniacs, and we are going to watch it all. I mean, that's that's fine. However, you want to consume. Um, I, here's what I hate, though. And again, I think like you know the the like the 2019 or 2018 or you know even two uh, 17. These are times when G1 was just ridiculous in how many great matches every night, you know, you would have two, maybe even three legitimately great matches. Um, but that's a pocket in time that you're, you're right. We had arguably the greatest pro wrestlers of our generation you know, all in this tournament and, you know, they didn't have the mileage on their bodies and they didn't have the injuries and, and, and father time was on our side. And all of that played into the fact of my God, they set maybe the highest bar for that pocket of time in the history of pro wrestling. Like that's a, like G one during that time stretch and that time frame was absolutely ridiculous. And I don't want to sit here and say for people to expect that, uh, you know, every fucking year, you know, that's not going to happen. It's probably not. Um, the people that were counted on to have those matches, you know, they're, they're hurt. <laughs> they're hurting. They're older. They're, you know, it's just, you can't put that weight on those guys anymore. Um, and we have people that can absolutely step up and have great matches. But let's be honest here. You know, Yano is not going to give you that. Goto at this point is not going to give you that. Is Tanahashi going to be able to do that? I mean, who knows? Um, so they're leaning on Osprey. And 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 even Shingo, right? Who's it was even mentioned that he's getting up in age. Like, there's not much more time on Shingo's clock. Like who else is that guy that's going to deliver those kind of matches? Will who else? Okada. Uh, does he still have it in the tank? Yeah, probably. I would, I would put money on it. Okay. Who else? Right. Like it's a pocket of time that is maybe the greatest pro wrestling uh, that we've ever seen, and I think it ranks right up there with all Japan not, uh, early '90s. Um, they they don't fall from trees. Like be be thrilled that you were there to see it and get involved in it, because what you had was, you know, <laughs> it doesn't last forever, right? It doesn't. Man, eventually, guess what? Man City eventually is not going to win Premier League. Right, eventually, and and eventually, it's it's players get older, 
and recycled. And, and if you're not keeping up and making new stars, then you fall behind. And that's what New Japan is in the middle of right now. All right, well, let's get into some of the matches then. So uh, we kicked off on Saturday, July 15th at the Hokkaido Prefectural Sports Center with uh, B-Block Yoshihashi defeating El Fantasmo 10 minutes, 56 seconds with his new move, the Itadakikari, a crucifix bomb. Um, this is, you know, your standard G1 Yoshihashi opening match. Thought he worked really hard. So it's good stuff. El Fantasmo, um, my interpretation of it is that he is going to have the little losing run to start. And then he's, you know, this is part of his story with him getting battered by Finlay and he's got to get some friends and rehabilitate himself and go on that redemption arc. Um, a lot of people saying he is on fraud watch. Stop it. Uh, what did you think of this? Um, <laughs> it was not a fraudulent performance for you from one El Fantasma. Oh, no, absolutely not. I thought the match was really good. I thought the match was a good way to kick off the tournament. Um, yeah, me too. He, I, you know, I'm all in the beginning, I'm almost rooting for people to lose because then I know they're going to be in the mix later on. Right. Uh, but here's the thing. You know, again, I think we saw some pretty great matches. I think we saw some matches that really underdelivered. Um, it's they had plenty of 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 finishes that that at the very least had you surprised. And to be honest with you, I, I mean, I know it's El Fantas. This is his first G one. Um, you know, no, no, he was in it last. Oh, year. that's right. I'm okay. Well, I was going to say, you know, if it if it was his first, you know, it would make sense for him to lose. Um, I don't know, but that just gives me more confidence that he'll be in the mix as we get to more important nights. Uh, second match then was the A block Chase Owens defeating Gabe Kidd in two minutes fifty five seconds. There was a lot of um, brawling before that. Gabe attacked Chase before the bell and did some. Crazy stuff, which is really fun. Uh, a lot of people really upset by this. Why? Um, a lot of um, angry responses to the outcome uh, about basically Gabe building up a lot of hype and momentum with great promos and stuff, only to lose to what people see as a sort of lower tier wrestler in the form of Chase Owens. I personally didn't have a problem with this because th- you know this is what New Japan does. I think the story with the War Dogs is that they are very talented, but they're also very angry and maybe don't have the the strategy and the game plan that some of their uh, their elders do in tournaments like this. So uh, I, I fully expected this, you know, them to come racing out the blocks, like, oh, we're going to kill everyone and then get caught out. Was it the greatest match in the world? No. Was it, did Chase Owens put on an absolute psychological masterclass to tell that story? No, it was fine. I liked it. I, did, I thought this was okay. I, I don't feel as upset about this as other people do. I don't get the upsetness. Is that a word? Upsetness? Um, I don't, I mean, that, you know, let's put it this way. Who's got a, a higher trajectory chase or Gabe kid, right? Gabe kid eventually will, you know, will be there. But again, they do like to do this. Um, I, I kind of liked it. It was different than most G G one matches that I've seen. Um, I think, I think it. Emphasize the fact that Gabe Kidd is this, you know, kind of loose cannon, and you know, fuck, Kevin Kelly and and uh, Chris Charlton made sure to mention that you know they were going to get sued and he's going to get arrested and all this stuff. 
Um, but that I, I, I have no problem with it. I think I, I, it, you know what it was? It was kind of a refreshing change. Like it was definitely something that you don't see that often. I mean, yes. Have you seen Fale do the walking brawl? Yeah. But I think this was much more than that. Um, and I have no problem with the finish. I mean, Chase Owens fucking pinned Hiroshi Tanahashi. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you know, he can beat people. Yes. He's, um, in the grand scheme of things, he's, you know, at best positioned as a mid Carter, but you know, he's has experience. He, he's been in, you know, he's, he's been around the block once or twice. So yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. And here's the thing too. People are going to lose and people are going to win, right? And there's going to be a nice mix of that element in this year's tournament. I don't think, I, I, I think, look, we, we sat here and had a show where we were like, I, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Like doing pickums, you might as well just throw it in the air when whatever lands first. You, you don't know. Um, that makes it fun. So, no, I have no problem with it. And people who get complained or who are, who are upset and complaining about that, ah, come on, stop it. You're out of your mind. Uh, Louis says, what's your opinion on jump starts before a match? That Chase Owens versus Gabe Kidd match shouldn't have gone as long as it did. Unnecessary brawling outside the ring only to extend the match. Should we have less jump starts in this tournament? I thought it did it well. I think yeah. my rule of uh, brawls on the outside and jump starts is there's got to be a, at least one very cool spot, cool and memorable spot. And Gabe did that with that, you know, the huge plunge that he did off the stage. So that that's a thumbs up from me. I yeah. thought that was a good jump start. And here's the thing, too. Uh, let's not let's not think that those two guys couldn't have a great fifteen minute match. They probably could. Um, a, a, a very good match, sure. This was just a different thing. To to, uh, you know, they're you know, G one. They do have a little bit of a of a uh storytelling itch that they need to scratch with a lot of these guys that are making not only their first appearance, but you know, they just need to be established. So yeah. Um, I, I, I know people think that they're going to see fucking Dory Funk and Jerry Briscoe, but every once in a while you need to mix it up and I have no problem with it. I thought it was refreshing. Third match was B Block Tangaloa defeating Kenta in 12 minutes 46 seconds. With now, big shit. Uh, Daryl says Tangaloa <laughs> has a month of big boy singles matches in front of him. My question, how? Oh my good yeah. Jesus shit in Christ statement. This one was not 12 minutes. This is a lie. This one was at least two hours long. And it just, it makes it the, the decision to. And I'm not necessarily blaming Tangaloa here. He's just come back from a serious injury. To take a guy who's just come back from a serious long-term injury, hasn't wrestled for 40 months, and then immediately plop him into the most physically grueling wrestling tournament on the planet, uh, after watching this, seems like an insane decision because the guy was obviously having a real hard time with his cardio. And this was against Kenta, who is probably the quote-unquote night-off match in that block. So... I'm really worried about Tangler. I mean, hopefully he can prove me wrong and his sort of physical abilities will pick up as the tournament goes on. But 
holy hell, this was very difficult to watch. Yeah, this 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 stunk. <laughs> it was not good, uh, and I don't think anyone going into it was you know circling it on their uh, blocks and like, oh, I can't wait for this. You know, I don't, I don't think expectations were that high, but even then, it was just like, oh my. Lord, what are we doing? My, my expectations, Dave, were in the shitter after I saw Tangelo's speech at the press conference where he more or less said he's not 100%, he's just happy to be there. When I saw that, I was like, oh, that does not bode well. So again, I think this is the point. Now, if you're looking to trim stuff off the undercard, I would treat a Tangelo singles match the same way that you would have done a, a tag match prior to the block expansion and skip it. Maybe yeah. that's unfair, but yeah, look. I mean, that's my yeah, I mean, listen, there's a lot of pro wrestling to be consumed in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I, I got no problem with people picking and choosing at this point. So, yeah, if you, if you want to bail out on that, that's fine. I mean, but here's the thing, too. They also have an out. You know, like they're, they're really going to uh, milk that knee injury for all it's worth during this entire tournament. Right. You know, maybe. Maybe he's out, right? Maybe after the second match or the third match, he can't continue. Boom. Whoever has him next, you know, you got yourself a win. Um, I don't think anybody would have a big problem with that. Um, And, you know, he saves space in the sense that, you know, he's hurt. You know, he got hurt. You know, he he wants to go on and continue, but, oh, you know, the leg is just fucked up. So, I mean, they have an out. At least they have that. So if he really starts shitting the bed, um, yeah. I mean, they have it now. Kenta. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I like, uh, is anybody? The problem is this. For the majority of people, they still have visions of early 2000s Noah and Ring of Honor and all of that stuff that is readily available. And it is not even close to the same guy. Um, and that is what it is. But uh, I, <laughs> somebody- it's not even close to pre-Wrestle Kingdom 16, Ken. So that, you know, that Wrestle Kingdom match you had with Tanahashi where he took that huge table bump and, and got that horrific injury. Yeah. That, that broke him. I mean, since he came back from that, there's just there's nothing there anymore. Yeah, his best match in the past ten years has been the Battle Royal, where he got thrown out by Big Show <laughs> at WrestleMania. That's been his best match. Um, look, uh, is there value in Kenta anymore? Um, I, I, I mean, he's not. A, a ticket mover is he? I mean, after the after the Naito feud, I mean, what else, what else? Give me the one thing that he has done that you would put in the great folder on your desktop from Kenta post Naito feud. Um, there've been some memorable moments, like you know the Shibata stuff. He was already. He, uh, I mean, that was already done, right? Was it? I don't know. Tight. <laughs> yeah. Everything is sort of the, the post-pandemic world is squished into yeah. oblivion for me. But you know what I mean. But no, I take your point. I, again, if it was up to me, he would not be in any future singles tournaments. No. I agree. 
Uh, I, I mean, if I was making cuts, I mean, that match alone, I would cut. But here's the good news. You know, there is a silver lining. That match is out of the way. <laughs> like, we're not going to see that match again. So it is what it is. All right, fourth match, A block, Shota Umino, Ren Narita, 20-minute time limit draw. This was my favorite match of the weekend. I thought this was great. I thought Shota in particular looked fantastic here. He's, he's brimming with confidence. You know, when that bell rings, he's he's got that fire in his belly. He was crisp. He was hungry. He was, uh, I thought, I mean, I thought Ren was good. There's a lot of people saying that they thought Ren was poor, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that was the case at all. I thought Ren was really good. Yeah. But Shota ate his lunch. I thought Shota outshone him here. And again, this is part of the dynamics of the Rewa Musketeers thing. And I I feel like I don't need to explain this. Damon, am I crazy? I don't need to explain why and how the Rewa Musketeers announcement enhance this match. Okay. Do I? Right. That's all, that's all, That much is obvious, correct? I'm, I'm hoping that the people who have gotten, you know, or are listening to this show and have listened in the past, uh, get it and understand. I, ho- I I would hope that you don't have to explain. But just what a great opening chapter for that story. And it felt like you were watching something historical, momentous, like the first match between these two guys post-excursion. It felt weighty. It felt dramatic. I thought the work was excellent. The time of the draw was executed really well. I, t- I love this. I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. You saw, you saw chapter one. Um which is pretty great because if you're if you're in for the whole entire book, uh, there's no reason why it won't be great. You know, knock on wood, but you know, injuries aside and all that stuff, you have the makings, uh, uh, built-in makings of your future. Ma- imagine that match. Oh, I don't know, two years from now, three years from now, right? Like you have to build a foundation. Have to build a foundation. And I think with these two guys, and and especially this match, like the foundation is being laid. The bricks are being laid in the foundation. Um, And when two years pass and three years pass, and and this match is, I don't know, headlining Wrestle Kingdom or, you know, big shows, you're going to look back and be like, okay, I was there for the start. This match was not the greatest match you'll ever see. But I think there was a lot of intrigue and again, people thinking that, okay, this is where it starts. And I think for that reason alone, the match was fantastic, but the guys like it was, it's in my top three for the weekend. I don't know if my number one, but especially on this show, I, I, I couldn't have asked for more. I really couldn't have asked for more. Um, I think they over-delivered. And look, if you're not excited with the future of this company, I, I don't I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. But um, yeah, this is just a little glimpse. This is like a crystal ball. Um, and just imagine, again, two, three years from now, it's going to be just, it's going to be great. Cola Blue says, what did you think of Umino challenging Narita to a match on the final night? Surely he should have other plans for that night. Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe a bit of oversight on Shota's part, but you know, I don't necessarily think he knows how far he's going to go in the tournament. My understanding for the G1 is people just turn up and then they get told what the result is going to be. So, yeah. uh, 
who I think shows is going to be in the final. I mean, he, he could be. I mean, one of my initial Pickham's predictions had him going quite far. I, I wouldn't read too much into that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't read too much into that because you're right. I mean, and, and unless they really change that, guys don't know who's going over until they get in the building um, from night to night. So I, that, that does make it even more fun having that knowledge. Um, yeah, I mean, do I think they're going to be in a – you're right. This this year, I, I'm going to give you the old catchphrase of anything can happen because it really feels like it. I mean, if if like best of the Super Juniors and New Japan Cup and, you know, if that is that's any indication of this year and, and kind of the wackiness that has ensued. I think everything's on the table. I don't think I don't think there's nothing that is off the table aside from maybe like Yano and uh, you know Tongaloa and uh, you know those types. I, don't, I, I think we're, we're. I think anything can happen. Fifth match was the B block because it's got Okada defeating Great Okan in 50 minutes 23 seconds with a rainmaker. Uh, it's a good match. Yep, yeah, absolutely fine. Um, I suppose the talking point coming out of this is Okan, who looked very subdued at the presser, uh, didn't make a speech, just said no comment. And Okada was sent post-match backstage, that telling warning Okan not to become a waste man like Naito. So it looks like there's some sort of story being told here with Great Okan. Uh, what is your first of all thoughts on the match and interpretation of uh, the, the trajectory for Great Okan's G1 based on this? Uh, if, if the match was fine, we'll, we'll set that aside. The, yeah, the biggest issue, I guess, is when, when are they going to pull the plug uh, or, you know, give him something to do. It, it, it really feels like, like they don't know what to do with them. Um, and at every opportunity, there are stumbles and, and roadblocks and, and it does feel like you can feel his frustration in how he's been handled. Uh, and I think that there is a case for that. Um, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know when that will, he'll finally break through. I don't think anybody was expecting him to pin Okada but stranger things have happened again, especially in G1 and especially this year. But it's just one of those things where I like they New Japan has a history and, and especially in these modern times of having guys that they just wait on. I mean, look, look at David Finley. Look at Hanare. Look at guys that have been with New Japan for a long, long time, and it seemed they would never pull the trigger. Um, you know, David Finley? Yeah, absolutely. Hanare? I mean, I think I think the jury's still out on that. Um, it's it's slow burn city. <laughs> it's slow burn city. Eventually, they'll find something for you, but. They, it just seems like they take their fucking sweet time. And I think people are getting a little impatient 
waiting for this to happen for Ocon. Yeah, I think with the sort of Musketeers thing, it feels he's been lost in the shuffle. I don't know whether that was intentional or not, but I would still say circle the Ocon versus Osprey match, that sort of intra United Empire match. And I think that will give us some clues as to what the future holds for Great Ocon because I think he's too talented and too well liked by the office to just fall away into nothingness. Although, uh, yeah, so I'm leaning sort of more towards this being storyline rather than fuck, they've got no idea what to do with this guy. But um, we will see. Uh, next up was the sixth match back to the A block. Kaito Kiyomiya defeating Yotsuji in 40 minutes, 48 seconds with the modified Shining Wizards. Uh, positive Wrestling Fan says, with the Noah tweet and Kiyomiya beating Suji, do you think he's on the way to New Japan? And Classic Cat says, imagine you're a ghetto and Noah calls you up with an offer, Kaito Kiyomiya for Shota in this scenario. This is the only way to get Kiyomiya. Do you make that trade? So again, I mm. think I would sort of hold your horses on looking at this uh, with a view to thinking, you know, is Kaito joining New Japan. I'm still saying no at this point. I just think there's a lot of collaboration going on between the promotions. And this is a, a really interesting money-making story that they can tell by having Kaito mixing it up with uh, New Japan guys. Uh, I thought the match was fantastic. Um, I thought Kaito was really, really good. Um, lived up to all the hype that uh, the Noah fans have been talking about him. And I thought Suji was even better. I thought Suji was the, the standout guy in this match, maybe for the whole night. I think if we're ranking the three Musketeers, he is way ahead at the top for me. He's just so dynamic and charismatic and exciting to watch. Um, even though we've seen two singles matches and two defeats from him, right. it feels like they haven't hurt him at all. Um, yeah, I thought this was great. Yeah, I did too. Uh, and and he, especially in G1, when there is... Noah representation. Let's be honest here. It fucking rules. <laughs> right? I mean, it like those matches are exciting and fun and hard hitting and everything that we kind of gravitate toward when it comes to New Japan. Um, they always add that extra spark. Um, yeah, oh, oh, and two in singles matches. And again, this is a very early career, but okay. Like what, when, I don't want to say when does the, the push happen, um, but those, I, I hate, I hate to say it, but those wins and losses, I'm sorry, they do mean something and, and they mean something to the people watching the product because there's only so many times. And again, we're talking about two fucking matches here. Pretty pretty big high spotlight matches, mind you. I mean, they're positioned on these cards as either main events or semi-main events. That's for sure. Um, sometimes I just wish that they would just do it, you know, instead of doing the slow burn. Because again, it just—I know from a from treating New Japan Pro Wrestling as a sport point of view, yes, it does make sense. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I worry about people's patience, quite honestly. I don't know if New Japan watchers and fans in 2023 have the patience for a slow burn. Like, it's not 1986. It's not 1992. Um. I, I worry about that because to have that same philosophy 
over and over and over again, um, especially when you're trying to develop new fans, um, which, you know, maybe they're having trouble doing that. I don't know. But you would have eventually um, people lose patience. I don't know. Like again, this is two matches for the guy, but okay, let's. let's. <laughs> day one of the G one, they was already hitting the panic button. <laughs> I love that. They fucked up Suji's push already. <laughs> Throw him in the bin. I'm just concerned. I mean, I wouldn't say that they they fucked it up, but um, and and I, and I should be used to it. But I'm, I'm know what it is. I think I'm I'm thinking I'm kind of sick of it. Like, just come on. Like, like we all have lives. I, th- I think we're, we're all sort of been sitting around waiting to see who is the next guy to get the Rainmaker push. And it's not happened yet. No. It's probably not going to happen. If there's anyone, you know, I still think it's Yuya, but per- perhaps it's that. It's people sort of looking at it through the lens of seeing what Okada did back in, what was it, 2012, and wanting that to happen again, to capture that sense of excitement. Okay. But, um, Name another one. That's not happened organically. Yeah. Well, name another one. But, yeah, there isn't. That's, that's the point. Right. Yeah, so I think what made the Rainmaker Shock so special was that it's only happened once, and that was 11 years ago. Um, and, yeah, maybe we're all just waiting for it to happen again to capture that same sense of excitement. But, again, you know, if it happened every other year, it wouldn't be such a special and historic moment. But uh, I think it's a little bit early to be panicking about Suji's push. I think we are in it for the long haul, and I respect New Japan for sticking to their guns and telling that long-term story because I think their long-term stories are what they're best at. All right, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you that. Absolutely. Um, let me just sit with my anxiety. All right. Could you? Let <laughs> <laughs> you stew in that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Seventh match then was the B Block Tai Chi defeating Will Ospreay in seventeen minutes forty three seconds with Black Mephisto. And uh, uh, John says, with the Declan Rice signing official, is the EPL title finally coming home to the Arsenal? Uh, yes, it is, John. And is Tai Chi winning in his hometown during the G1, the new taker WrestleMania streak of pro wrestling? Uh, yes, it is, John. Now, I thought this was really, really good. I enjoyed this one a lot. I thought Osprey did a fantastic job in setting up Tai Chi as the hometown babyface hero with the beatdown at the start and then the great comeback and brilliant finishing sequence at the end. The inner ear balance, you know, getting Osprey getting kicked in the ear and losing his balance. A bit cheesy, even by Osprey standards. But I thought it was creative. It was something different. I mean, I take that over Brian Danielson's fake seizures any day oh, of the week. God, yeah. uh, I, and I thought at the end of the day, it worked. I thought, the, you know, the crowd exploded. It was a, a brilliant end to the match. And, yeah, I thought this was really great. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, a, like, I, I didn't hate it. I know that that people love to like to poke holes in Will's game, but I mean, there's worse things I've seen. Let's put it that way. Um, and I and I didn't think it was bad. I mean, I think you know, I I thought yeah, it was different and 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 added a, a, a different element and spin to the match. No, I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. I, I thought that was fine. And I thought the match overall was really good. And I think Taichi deserves some credit too. Um, once again, you know. Consistently delivers in G1. You, ne- you never get half-assed performances from him. You don't. You really don't. Um, and, like, he's one guy that, I mean, hometown and all, but that was a pretty important match. 
I think. I think collectively, um, it's it it helps solidify the fact that a you don't know who's going over on any given night, and b Tai Chi can go, man. He could fucking go, uh, and and will. You know, he tried something different. Did it stick for everybody? No, but uh, I don't have a problem with it. You know, it's a long tournament. And trust me, there's going to be more great things uh, than things. Look, I'm going to give him credit for trying. I got to be honest. I'm going to give him credit for trying. Um, Look, and I know this. There are people that just don't like him. And, and again, I'm not going to tell you what to think. I'm not going to tell you how to feel. I'm not going to tell you whatever. Um, but it, it, nine times out of 10, it's when he does stuff like that with the, you know, the eardrum and the equal, equal, help me, help me, Joel, <laughs> equilibrium. Um, it, thank it. you. Nailed it. Uh, English is not my first language either. <laughs> Um, uh, look, I, I think people tend to, and again, personal stuff aside, personal stuff aside, you might not like him as a human being. You might not like him as a person. Um, but I think a lot of times he gets the wrath of people just trying to poke holes in his game. And I think that's very unfair. All right, so the eighth match was the A-block Sanada defeating Hippolo in uh, a breezy 10 minutes, 16 seconds with a dead fall. Um, he was put in quite a tricky spot here, Sanada, after you know that big emotional Tai Chi hometown win, but against a guy, Hippolo, who you know is not the biggest star and not the most experienced wrestler. But I thought Sanada went really hard here and did a good job in leading Hippolo through the match and being that sort of experienced veteran, getting the crowd back on sides and having what? I thought it was a pretty good match. I mean, this is not a match of the year contender or anything, but I think this is about where I expected Hikaleo to land as basically the Farley replacement, uh, you know, the big monster tall guy who can sort of dominate people physically. Uh, and I thought the match didn't outstay its welcome. Um, yeah, I thought they did a good job. Yeah, um, a good job, I think, is in, in, in order. I think that's fair. Um, I, I do have concerns with Hikaleo, um, because I think that what we saw is probably a ceiling, right? Um, and even though we do tend to shit on Sonata, I thought he did a decent job here. Um, and I don't know if everyone is going to be up for the task come night four, night five, all that. Um, so I guess that I, that's the only concern that I really have. I think walk and brawl is going to be uh, in our future with Hikaleo. Um, and, I, and again, I just don't know if there's much more to Hikaleo. Like, I don't think we're getting much more than what we saw here. Um, and which is which again, the match was good. Um, uh, I just worry about off night. <laughs> I just worry about when things don't mesh well. 
Um, and I worry about things falling apart when it comes to this. So again, fingers crossed. I don't want to judge it on one night. We have plenty more to go, but that, I guess, coming out of that match, that's my biggest concern. Yeah, I think the key with him is just keep it short, keep it simple, uh, keep him away from microphones because he is a fucking terrible promo, <laughs> I do have to say. Um, but yeah, this is exactly what it needed to be. Um, just a quick chance, Sonata, some comments that Dave Meltzer made. He said, they've not had a champion this uncharismatic in, I don't know how long. Um, actually, I don't know which one of these is Meltzer and which is Alvarez, but another quote here, Sonata is cold. When he was in Toronto, the IWGP champion comes out and no one cares. And it's not like he's new, he's been a top guy for five years. Do you think that's fair or do you think he does have that? Did you think this is just sort of a disconnect between the Japanese audience and the US audience? Because I don't think a metric for whether or not a guy is a successful IWGP champion is whether or not they are over with the AEW fan base. I think that's nonsense. And and I think I would acknowledge Sonata is not as hot and popular as, you know, megastars of the recent years gone by, like, you know, Unitos or Okada's, but that's an extremely high bar to clear. And I think... Um, he does have a crowd connection. I think he's doing a, a perfectly competent job as this sort of transitional champion while we set the table for the future. Yeah. He's got a new coat of paint, which has done wonders. He's got a new faction, which has done wonders. Um, the match quality itself has improved. Uh, and and I think he's got a little bit more in the charisma tank. That being said... I mean, Dave you're, or or Brian is comparing once again. Like, I just feel like there's this huge pocket of fans that are stuck at a certain time frame of New Japan Pro Wrestling, which you know, how many years has it been? A, a, a lot. It's been it's been a lot, and we've gone through a pandemic, and we've gone through. You know, it's, I don't know. Like, I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I don't know. It, it, look, is Sonata my first pick? Am I shocked that he actually is wearing that title? A little bit, not going to lie. A little bit. Um, Is he the most charismatic guy in the world? No. But, yeah, I think there are things that don't quite translate to a Western crowd. Add to that the fact that, again, people are just stuck at this certain period of time. People, that is a, a magical stretch that New Japan has. It's not, it can't last. It's unsustainable unless you build new stars. Um, and we're doing that. Uh, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's a real unfair statement. I really do. I, I do think it's a very unfair statement. Yeah, I, I agree. I think people are sort of digging their heels with Sanada and, um, perhaps projecting the biases of the uh, casual US wrestling audience onto the the fan base as a whole, which is unfair because I think the reception of him in the two different countries is very, very different. Um, all right, let's move on to the second night then, Sunday, July 16th, uh, same venue. So we kicked off at the C block, uh, David Finlay defeating Tomohiro Ishii, 15 minutes, 54 seconds with Into Oblivion. Uh, new look for Finlay, he's ditched the, the spiky shoulder pads and has now got 
a very nice jacket. I think this is an improvement for him. I think he looks great. And yeah, really good match. You know, what you'd expect from uh, Ishii. Uh, I think they've got good chemistry together and this is a really great, high-energy, hard-hitting opener. I think Finlay is another example of people digging their heels in and now the sort of brilliant emergence of Gabe and Coglin and also Driller Maloney, I think people are sort of using that as a stick to beat Finlay, saying, oh, you know, he's not even the most charismatic guy in his whole stable. And I think the sort of quiet, understated menace of Finlay actually works as a good counterpoint to the sort of the sort of yapping dogs of his faction. I think it works. Um, so I don't have a problem with it personally, but I think what Finlay needs to silence the doubters is that consensus match of the year candidate, which right. I thought last year, his G1 match with Juice Robinson, I thought was fucking brilliant. And I think had he had that sort of match on a big stage in front of a cheering crowd with more eyes from a casual audience, like a Western audience, then yeah, people would be putting some respect on his name. I think he needs to have that this year. And I'm looking at him making it out of the blocks and maybe facing someone like Okada in the quarterfinals or, or semifinals or whatever, where people are going to sit up and take notice. That will be his big chance. And he needs to deliver then and have that match of the year caliber quality uh, in order to, to, to basically make people shut the fuck up about it. It's unbelievable. Give the fucking guy a chance. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't even been a year. It hasn't even been a year. Like, give him a fucking chance. Um, and I thought this match was really great. Like, and again, Ishii just, <laughs> he's just amazing. Like, he really is. And I know that, you know, when he comes to the States, we kind of have a little snarky chuckle. Um, at the fact that yeah, it's it's the same thing, but you know what? When it comes t- time for this and for him to to deliver, he he rarely misses, rarely misses. Um, and I thought this was really good in Finley's part. Give him a chance. Go and get an open mind, and and yeah, all he needs is that opportunity to have that fucking blow away match, that match that just you know rocks everyone's world um that's all that's all it, it needs and i don't know like just give the guy a fucking chance will you please my god it hasn't even been a year it hasn't even been a year um let let let's give him a chance shall we what do you say and once again joel this is another perfect example even the supposed smartest fans don't get it. They have to make new stars. They're making new stars. Will you give them a fucking chance? Like, like this might be the most gatekeepy fucking thing ever said on the super J cast, which is saying something, but there are people that quite honestly shouldn't be watching this product. What do you think of that? They probably shouldn't be watching this pro- product. And here's here's the thing: a lot of them aren't. But like to make, I don't know. It, like this happens all the time in New Japan, and you came in at a time. And I'm not saying everyone, but there are people that came in at the maybe the greatest period in pro wrestling history. Maybe 
It's in the conversation, right? And you're comparing what you have here to that. And I'm begging people, please stop doing that. That era is over. Let me repeat that. That era is over. Give these guys a fucking chance because this match is is helping to solidify the fact that David Finley can go. And I know all the people, once again, you have to be reconditioned. And, and again, if he was, if there was a crystal ball or there was something that could be uh, presented to evil to say, okay, here's, here's your next three or four years. Do you think he would take it? Do you think he would be like, okay, uh, seeing where I am and who I am on this roster, do you think he would take it? That's a great question. I mean, he's a former world champion and kind of leading his own stable in a way. Um, I would guess that he's not as creatively fulfilled as he would like to be. I imagine this is not the way he wants to wrestle, and I'm sure he is aware of all the, the criticism of his current spot in the roster. So, um, yeah, great question. I don't know. Only only Evil can answer that. If you were to ask me, would I take that in his position? Absolutely, yes, because uh, just simply for the, the prestige and the glory of, of being a, a world champion, that's that's a great feather in his cap. But um I'm also a very lazy man and I would appreciate and celebrate the opportunity to just sort of phone it in every night and do these lazy matches. Uh, no, that's not fair. I'm not, I don't think he's phoning it in. I don't think he's lazy at all, but um, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's very different to like the Shingo style, if you like. Okay. Uh, and, and I'll give you that. Yes. Uh, not many people wear that gold. Um, no doubt. But, He's going to go down as one of the most baffling choices to be world champion. Like, that's going to be his claim to fame. Like, when it's all said and done, unless there's a major, major change in his uh, character and development and all that stuff, like, like, he's going to go down in New Japan history as maybe the worst uh, choice for world champion, wouldn't you say? Um, probably, yeah. I mean, if we're talking sort of in ring quality, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I think that just that alone, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to pass. <laughs> I'm going to pass. Now, here's what he is, though. He is a uh, he has separ- separated himself from the pack. You know what I mean? Like, there's only one guy doing what evil's doing. Um, but, like, uh, to me, he's, he's, he's incredibly insignificant. Incredibly insignificant. Um, and I don't know. I, would, I probably wouldn't sign up for it. All right, let's move on to the main event, which was <laughs> Jeff Cobb defeating Tetsuya Naito. 14 minutes, 20 seconds of tour of the island. I thought Cobb was great here. I enjoyed his shithousing and, and stealing Naito's moves and all of that. And the promo at the end was fantastic. I love my Naito. Shirt. Um, I like my shirt. You like your shirt. I like your shirt too. Naito, I do too. <laughs> uh, 
Um, a visit to Trifoni has been sloppy stakes all around for Naito. A few spots where I was like, oh. Um, and, you know, Naito, I thought, had a fantastic 2022. So I'm not going to say, oh, he's washed, he's cooked, he's broken, he can't do it anymore. But there were a few moments during this much where I thought, I'm number one. I give up. I give up. I'm number one. She's saying, I'm number one. Yeah, you take that. I'm number one. Ichiban, oh, I'm number one. All right, uh, yeah, it was fine. Look, we got to wrap this up because we've had nothing but technical problems through the entire duration of the show. I, I'm literally sending Dan eh, twelve files. <laughs> we've had to restart six times. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised Naito lost. And I guess the, the overarching theme here, Joel, is two nights each. You know, block and, and section has had one match. Yes, we're probably jumping the gun on a lot of these takes, but I think we laid out our concerns. We'll call them concerns at this point, um, and we'll see how they work themselves out. I think, if anything, Naito losing on the first night is a great portent for my prediction for him to win the whole tournament because this is this is what they do, you yeah. know. He has a little losing run, then he puts it all together. So full steam ahead for January fourth for uh, us Naito holics. Um, yeah, I think I'm better we're not the number one. <laughs> we're <laughs> number one. <laughs> I need to go to work uh, and yeah. Yeah, let's uh, crack on with this. Uh, is there anything yep. else I need to do here? The worst part about G1 is the fact that these shows have zero shelf life, too. Yes. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like we have to get it up tonight. Yeah. All right. All right. Wrap it up, please. Uh, Redstone.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash J dash cast. Discord link. Uh, you can get a few seven meter direct messages on Twitter. Ferocities.com forward slash super J cast for t shirts. Thanks, Editor Dan, on Twitter at last Subscribe to Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. I took up. Bye, everyone. Have a good day. Esther, <laughs> say bye-bye, listeners. Bye. Say bye-bye, yeah. freaks. Bye-bye, freaks. <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Every other Monday, we are with you talking about the biggest news in Joshi, along with show reviews, previews, and much, much more. So if you're new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio.